Hey, guys, if you're tired of taking a straight razor to your beanbag and having it look like a scene out of a horror show, listen up. Manscaped has you covered. They're the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. They just redesigned their electric trimmer. It's called the Lawnmower 3.0, and the Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months on this bad boy. They've perfected it. Trust me, I've used it. Nice, close, comfortable shave. The thing even has an LED light. It illuminates the grooming area so you can see what you're doing. We've all been there before. We're trying to clean things up a little bit, and it winds up being a bit of a disaster because, again, you're dealing with a straight razor to the old Huevos Rancheros. You know what I mean? So stop with the dangerous weapons on your family jewels and try Manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TMAP at Manscaped.com. Again, 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with the code TMAP. Check out the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Forfor4.com is the most accurate podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. As always, I'm joined by John Paulson. What's up, John? Not much. How you doing, Anthony? Doing really well. We're going to dive into a lot of different topics today, but first, tell us about the music. Yeah, this is. Um, I'm going to butcher the butcher the band's name. This is. Uh, it's unusual for me to have a band name that I can't pronounce, but it's Karangbin. Sounds sounds good to me. K, tell me if this is how you thought it was spelled. K H R U A N G B I N. Yep, that's exactly it. That's that's exactly how you would have spelled it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a uh, EP out that's with Leon Bridges, and Leon Bridges has been on my radar for a while. I, I have a couple of playlists with him, like featuring him, and uh, really good soul singer. And uh, they have an EP out. I think it's called Texas Sun. Looking at this discography here. Uh, but this track is uh, called Seaside, and uh, it's like the letter C dash S I D E, not Seaside like the Seaside. Um, but uh, it's a good track. I'll put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, and you can find a link uh, for that in the show notes. All right. Speaking of this podcast, it's also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Say hello to your new favorite place to play fantasy football for real money. It's called Underdog Fantasy. We've picked the winners of the FFPC main event slash autographed jersey giveaway, and you can find a list of winners if you go to bit.ly slash 444win. That's all lowercase, so bit.ly slash 444win, all lowercase. Doug P. won the main event entry, so he and John will be coordinating a time to draft in the next week or so. Congratulations to all the winners. And I would imagine, John, that you've at least contacted Doug P., and he wants your help for his draft this upcoming week. 
He did. He did. He was uh, stunned that he won. Um, he, and he does want my help. So uh, it's also my birthday weekend. This week, my Saturday is my birthday. So I'm trying to coordinate a time that's not going to make my wife angry with whatever she has planned uh, for me <laughs> this weekend. Uh, but I'm looking forward to the, 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 the holiday weekend and eventually getting in a, uh, another main event draft with, uh, with him. Well, happy, happy early birthday to you. Thank you. All right. If you still haven't signed up for 4 for 4, you can get a free 4 for 4 subscription if you sign up for Monkey Knife Fight, which is a new daily fantasy site. You just need to be new to Monkey Knife Fight. You just sign up, become a user. You can deposit $10 in your account after you sign up. The offer is good for a free 4 for 4 Classic Pro and DFS subscription. So it's up to a $99 value right now. This is a no-brainer, assuming you live in one of the 30, 35 approved states or Canada. Details can be checked out at bit.ly slash 444MKF. That's all in lowercase. Let me give you that link again. Bit.ly slash 444MKF. So think monkey knife fight, and you'll have the, the ending there on that bit.ly slash four for four. Today we're going to talk about some of the players that are moving around in John's rankings along with some of his thoughts on the first round of fantasy drafts. But first we're going to cover some of the headlines and we start off with news that broke pretty much just before we signed on to the podcast today. John, the Buccaneers have signed Leonard Fournette to a one-year deal worth $2 million flat with another $1.5 million available incentives after, of course, Leonard Fournette was released earlier this week by the Jaguars. So now the Bucs have Fournette. Ronald Jones, LaShawn McCoy, Dare Ogunwale, and Keyshawn Vaughn in their backfield. How do you expect this to shake out in September and beyond? I probably should have warned you about the Dare uh, name there. I think it's Dare Ogunwale, so that's his name. You probably got a lot closer than I did. Uh, uh, Yeah, I don't think I got it either. Uh, He's the third down back last year for the the Bucs. I'm just going to call him Dare uh, from this point forward. Uh, this is a this obviously shook the fantasy community last night. There are a number of Rojo truthers that uh, I interact with on Twitter. It's been uh, it's been fun interacting with them. Uh, I've learned actually I learned a lot about Ronald Jones this offseason. Uh, he actually has some really good advanced running stats. He wasn't bad as a runner at all last year, and I'm not convinced that Fournette is better than him as a runner. In fact, I would say the opposite. I'm convinced that uh, for, uh, Jones is better than Fournette now. Fournette is a compiler. Uh, he obviously has had a lot of work over the first three years of his career and, uh, you know, gained a lot of yards and, you know, produced in that fashion. And the question here is, are they looking at Fournette as an improvement on this backfield? Like they're upgrading it, they're upgrading their starter. Uh, or are they looking at it like we're all in for the Super Bowl? Uh, you know, running back is maybe a shaky spot for us a little bit with with the inexperience of Jones and and uh, Kashawn Vaughn and uh, and Dare. So we're going to bring in Lashawn McCoy. We're going to bring in uh, Leonard Fournette. This is an opportunity for us to get a a guy in his prime um, that is on the cheap and he's versatile. Uh, so we're just going to you know add another weapon to the backfield and, and really go for the Super Bowl this year. Or is it, you know, we want him to be the starter? And um, I think, yeah, I saw I saw a word that, according to Bruce Arians, Jones is, quote, unquote, our guy. Uh, 
24 hours after the team signed Leonard Fournette, he said it's his job. Nothing has changed for him. He said that uh, Fournette is a heck of an insurance piece, and they'll see what role he has out of camp. So I did a little Twitter thread last night trying to talk the Rojo truthers down from the ledge and just basically looked at I look at it this way. He's the starter now. He's not Fournette's not going to start week one against the, the Saints. So I think Jones starts. Uh, that's going to be a tough matchup, uh, but there's no crowd. There will be no crowd in uh, uh, the Superdome, I don't think. So it's not the usual uh, road uh, landmine that it usually is. So if Jones has a decent game there, is, produ- is producing, doesn't blow any blocks, you know, produces in the running game, produces as a receiver, he should go into week two against Carolina as the starter. And Carolina was just dreadful against. Uh, the run last year and he has a chance there to have a big game and maybe maybe lock up that job or at least by himself another four to six weeks as a starter uh, because I think when they look at them both in practice they're going to see the difference in the, 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 their just ability um, but obviously you know if you have a lot of Rojo shares those value the value of those shares went down with the signing because you're now adding a, a high touch guy to this backfield and we just don't know how it's going to all shake out. Uh, McCoy is the best pass blocker of the group. Fournette's actually worse than Jones in pass blocking, which is kind of hard to believe. Uh, Dari is not particularly good in pass blocking either. So I, I would not be surprised at all to see McCoy out there with Brady on third down. Jones, you know, starting the season as the first, second down back, and Fournette just being sort of a uh, a fill in, uh, change pace guy, and he's going to have to outplay Jones to, to win that job. Let's talk about Jacksonville's situation to the backfield spot because with Leonard Fournette no longer there, this this is going to be interesting. We 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 had heard rumblings that Jacksonville and Leonard Fournette were kind of on the outs. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. They couldn't find any takers whatsoever to acquire you know acquire him for even on the cheap so they they wind up releasing him he clears waivers what does the departure of Fournette now mean for the Jacksonville backfield is there any value there you've got Armstead Thompson Robinson and then Ozigbo this uh backfield is kind of murky I would say Uh, Armstead seems like he's going to be the first guy up he has 4.45 speed he's got a nice speed score uh Indicating that he's fast for his size, not particularly doesn't have particular you know great burst or anything. I'm looking at playerprofiler.com right now. Um, his agility is solid, um, so he just didn't do a whole lot as a in his first couple of seasons. I think he's his third season, so um, or maybe he was a rookie last year. He didn't do a whole lot. He as a as a runner, his his yards per carry was not that impressive, uh, but he did show pretty well as a receiver. Uh, he played at Temple. Uh, Zigbo apparently has been drawing some, you know, law. He has his fans in the, in the uh, fantasy community as well. But I think you're going to see Armstead on the first couple of downs and then Chris Thompson, uh, you know, on third downs. Uh, and this is a team that is going to probably trail. Um, so I think Thompson is the guy in best ball, certainly where he's going to have some big games. I mean, he's going to have some seven, eight, nine catch games, I think, as long as he's healthy. Uh, and then Armstead is maybe the, the upside guy that could take this job and sort of run with it and become, you know, a two down back where he's getting 200, 250 carries a season. If this, if this offense starts to roll a little bit more than, than what it has, has in the recent years. 
the wild card, I mean, the Zippo's kind of a wild card, but James Robinson's also on the roster, and he um, is more of a smaller school type running back, but uh, has run well in spots. He's a big dude, not particularly fast, but uh, pretty versatile and could play on all three downs if necessary. So uh, I, I'm looking at it as maybe Armstead. You look at him in maybe ninth, tenth round-ish. Thompson, sort of the same area in PPR, uh, is a you know RB four, RB five, RB four, RB five types right now because we just don't know for sure how they're going to uh, divvy up these carries. All right, moving on to Alvin Kamara. This saga has taken on a life of its own over the last couple of days. The Saints said that they'd trade him. He ultimately reported to practice after having an epidural injection in his back. The two sides are reportedly now close to a deal. Are you confident that Alvin Kamara will be lined up in the Saints' backfield week one against the Bucks? Well, I've learned a lot about epidural steroid shots in the last <laughs> two days. I'll tell you that. Uh, this... I watched a couple of videos, listened to a couple of podcasts. This concerns me that he's take, you know taking it. This is like a pain management shot, uh, apparently, where it's where where he had it done, and it should last for a while. And he'll probably need another one during the, during the season if things don't get worse. I mean, it's going to wear off basically. Uh, it's going to calm down the issue that he's having. So he's having enough pain in his back. If this is true, if this report's true, if he's being honest, everybody's being honest about why or what was going on right prior to, to him returning to practice, uh, then his back is an issue. I think he's still a high upside guy. He can probably get through the season. But basically what I did in the projections was I uh, projected him to miss an extra game. Like I, I project all the running backs to play 15 games. I just assume they're all going to miss one. Uh, and then if there's a player that is seems like more of an injury risk and I need to bake in uh, more, more risk, then I will – you know, move them to 14 or 13 or even 12 or, or whatever games if I, if I need to, to move them down the rankings to where I feel comfortable. So I think he's still a mid first rounder, but there um, definitely was a, a player. We'll talk about him later that moved ahead of him uh, in terms of safety and upside. I think uh, in that first round, Terrell Williams is out for the year after having surgery on his shoulder. What does this mean for the Raiders passing game now? Yeah. So Williams was going to try to play through this shoulder injury. And at that point, uh, I think everyone bumped up uh, Brian Edwards in their rankings. Uh, he has been looking very good in uh, the preseason. He's been starting running with the ones. And he's just you know had some injuries coming out of college, and that's why he sort of fell in the draft a little bit. But high-talent guy, and it looks like he's going to start, along with Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro in three wide receiver sets. You've got uh, Darren Waller there at tight end. I think you know uh, Hunter Renfro and... Um, and Ruggs also get a little bit of a bump because just Williams is out of the picture. And, you know, he was a guy that was probably going to command five or six targets a game uh, if he were playing. Uh, but now you have Edwards in that role, and they don't need to try to, you know, work Edwards in as the wide receiver four and, and sit Ruggs down or sit Renfro down at all. So they can play the, their, their three best receivers right now. Um, and so I've, I've been trying to take uh, Edwards there 13th, 14th round in, in uh, all my fantasy drafts, and I've been successful doing so. All right, John, let's discuss Josh Gordon, which is another news item that broke before we got on the podcast. He signed a one-year, $1 million contract with the Seahawks. 
He's currently suspended for violating both the league's substance abuse and PED policies, but is now awaiting results from the league after applying for reinstatement. He's still only 29 years old, which is incredible to say. I feel like he's been in the league forever. He saw 11 targets in five games on 39% snaps with the Seahawks last year. What do you think now about Tyler Lockett and then DK Metcalf with Gordon signing becoming official? You know, in a weird way, I f- actually feel a little better about them um, because I, in the back of my mind with, you know, when drafting Lockett, when drafting uh, DK Metcalf, in the back of my mind, I, I just think back to those p- uh, photos of Antonio Brown uh, training with Russell Wilson uh, in the summer or the spring, and I'm just worried that Brown is going to sign with the Seahawks and just throw the apple cart over uh in Seattle in terms of the targets. Cause he just, he's a guy that comes in and is going to get seven, eight, nine targets a game and really impact Lockett and Metcalf. I don't think that Josh Gordon is that player anymore. He, he played five games for the Seahawks last year, played about, you know, 30, 35, 40% of the snaps. He only caught seven passes on 11 targets in five games uh, for 139 yards uh, so I look at him as sort of a situational deep threat, uh, another player they can throw outside opposite Metcalf to draw coverage uh, and, and lock it in the slot, um, and just more helping lock it and Metcalf. I mean, there's always the chance that they could still sign Antonio Brown and you know ruin ruin all my plans, but uh, right now it looks like uh, you know they're going to go with these three, and they've got a couple other guys there that are you know Philip Dorsett and. And whatnot. So I think they're going to rotate that wide receiver three spot, and Gordon's going to play as much as he deserves to play based on what his talent level at this point in his career. And he's you know 29. He's never played, uh, or he hasn't played more than 12 games. I'm just looking at his. It's re- reading his game, his career game, uh, his career stats are crazy because he just goes from team to team, plays a few games here and there, <laughs> and then ends up getting suspended. So hopefully he can stay, stay clean and uh, finish out the season. Uh, with them if he gets uh, cleared on the suspension. Uh, but I don't look at it as a huge downgrade for, for Lockett or, or Metcalf, and it's just you know more of a reason to maybe take uh, Wilson in the 7th, 8th round if, you, if he slips that far. We'll discuss the first round and some late movers after this word from our sponsors. Support for the Most Accurate Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. They're the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TMAP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code TMAP. This podcast is also brought to you today by Underdog Fantasy. Say hello to your new favorite place to play fantasy football for real money. It's called Underdog Fantasy. You're going to be blown away by it. You're going to love it. They offer season-long best ball contests that you can do from your phone or your computer. With best ball, all you need to do is the fun part, which of course is drafting. That's my favorite part. It's probably your favorite part. That's the beauty of underdog fantasy. Forget about injuries, trades, waivers, and setting lineups. All you have to do is draft your team, forget it, and then wait for the winnings to roll in. This year, they have a $1 million tournament. That's right. Just draft the best team and you have a shot at $1 million in prizes. Sign up for Underdog today and enter the Best Ball Mania for a chance at $1 million in prizes by going to underdogfantasy.com or searching for Underdog Fantasy in your fantasy, in your app store. Be sure to enter code 4 for 4 that's the number 4, F-O-R number 4, after you make your first deposit. 
John, you mentioned that Brian Edwards, you mentioned Brian Edwards earlier in the pod, but let, let's talk about some of the players who are moving around in your rankings. You've moved Raheem Mostert up to number 20 in your half PPR running back rankings. Why are you more bullish now on Mostert? Well, he was a player that I, you can't argue with his production down the stretch last year. He completely tore up my Packers in the playoffs. Uh, he outplayed, vastly outplayed Tevin Coleman. Um, and I think the concern with him heading into this year was uh, usage and playing time, basically. And were they planning to still start Tevin Coleman and then bring Mostert in, you know, on the second or third series? You know, you also have Jarek McKinnon in the mix. He's coming off of, you know, multi-year injuries, so I'm, I'm not too concerned about him at the start of the season, at least. Uh, the reason I moved Mostert up is that I saw multiple reports that he was uh, – first in the pecking order for reps in practice uh and he quote unquote started the uh draft or not he started the uh scrimmage uh for the 49ers a recent scrimmage he was the first one in for that so I look at him now as uh, a player that potentially could start and probably will start and if he does I think it could mean three to four extra touches maybe four to five extra touches per game. So instead of 14 or whatever he was seeing down the stretch last year, he might be in that 17, 18, 19 range playing for maybe the best running game or one of the best running games in the league. Uh, and really if he's getting that sort of workload, he's got RB one potential. So he's one of these guys now in the fifth round that if he's still around and I need a running back two or, um, you know, maybe I want my third running back at that point in the draft. He's one that I'm aggressively aggressively targeting. So I moved him up to 20, and I feel pretty comfortable that you know he's going to start the season as the starter this year based on what's going on with practice and in that scrimmage. Cam Akers with the Rams is really in, intriguing, John. That's because when you look at the Rams' offense, we know how good it was entering last year, and then things kind of fell apart, and Sean McVay was having to make adjustments. Todd Gurley, I don't think he's I don't think he's been healthy really since that run up to the Super Bowl over over a year and a half ago now. So Cam Akers enters the fray, and we don't really know how to gauge Sean McVay without a healthy Todd, Mc, uh, Todd Gurley, but I know that you're moving Cam Akers up. Why is that? Well, you know, with, with Gurley now in Atlanta and Akers in this committee, so to speak, with Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown, I think that's why Akers is going where he's going in drafts is that we're just not sure what his role is going to be to start the season. I mean, the Henderson injury to me opens the door to actually sit, you know, sit down and put it, put Akers in your starting lineup week one, because he is probably going to lead this backfield in touches. I mean, it could be Malcolm Brown, I guess, you know, they, they didn't go draft Akers in the second round uh, because they were happy with, you know, Malcolm Brown as their lead back, or they were happy with Daryl Henderson as their lead back. I mean, Henderson, they they saw him for a year, and he wasn't able to beat out Brown to be the primary backup to Gurley. So I think that's what this Akers draft pick signals, is that they weren't, weren't sold on him as the feature back, and they wanted one, and Akers is eventually going to be that guy. So the, the Henderson injury has pushed him to the forefront. They're now giving him more and more reps, and I think they're going to get him ready for a big week one role. And if that's the case, he, he should run away with it. Uh, I don't know that he's going to be a bell cow. I, I doubt that because they seem like they, they want to use Brown around the goal line, so that might you know limit Akers' upside. 
But, you know, fifth round, again, if I'm looking for an RB3, you know, normally I'm trying to come out of the first two rounds with two running backs, but there's situations where, if, like, Michael Thomas falls or maybe Devontae Adams falls. Um, I might take a, a receiver there, or if I'm in the back end of the second round, uh, I can't get Aaron Jones or I can't get Austin Eckler or Nick Chubb. Um, and I take a Julio or Hopkins or somebody or Godwin or something like that, and now you're, now you're going wide receiver in the third, wide receiver in the fourth, and you need your second running back. I think Akers, along with Mostert and Mark Ingram, are, are good candidates for that fifth-round pick to be your RB2 to start the season. All right, let's talk about Le'Veon Bell. He's now at number 26 in your half PPR running back rankings. There were some reports that he didn't look good in camp. Are you worried about Le'Veon Bell's workload? The Jets, man, what is going on? Like, I, I read these reports, and Bell is, like, not even, supposedly not even looking like the best running back in camp. Like, Frank Gore apparently looks better to the beat writers than Bell. And that's not a shot at Frank Gore. It's just, who who's supposed to be the RB1 here? Um, he's getting pulled from scrimmages. He's arguing with his coach. You know, Adam Gase is part of this. Like, he's part of the problem as well in terms of what's going on. He's a leader there. Uh, I just don't have the confidence that he's going to, that this is going to go smoothly. Um, just this much dysfunction around a, an offense and around a team uh, scares me off. And I wasn't getting, I mean, I might have one share of him. I wasn't drafting him at all, but I, I just pretty much hands off at this point. Uh, there's, a, there's a good chance that Frank Gore comes in, does his 100, 150, 175, uh, you know, carries a, this season and just puts a pretty big dent in the, in the bell workload and the bell workload is why you were drafting him. I mean, you're, you're drafting him for volume, not necessarily for his production at this point behind what's been a very shaky offensive line. So I'm just, just off bell right now completely. All right, let's talk about Deshaun Jackson. He's moved up into the wide receiver four range on the heels of the news that Jalen Rieger is likely to miss a few games with a shoulder injury. Is, is Deshaun Jackson moving up in your rankings tied specifically to Rieger? Yeah, I'm a little uh, torn about moving him up too much because the, the reason I had him where I had him is that he's basically an injury risk at this point in his career. I mean, he's 34 years old. Uh this December, I guess. So he's 33 this season. And you're just wondering, I mean, I think he still has a lot of gas left in the tank in terms of his speed and ability to get open and ability to produce. I mean, he showed what he could do against the Washington football team in week one of last year. He had two touchdowns and uh, over 100 yards receiving. And uh, with, with Rieger out, you're looking at Jackson as the number one receiver, although he might be third in targets, maybe even fourth behind Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, uh, Miles Sanders. Uh, so I think he's a high upside guy, you know, another good best ball pick. Might be a frustrating week-to-week start, but with Rieger out, I think you're, he's a pretty safe start uh, as long as he's healthy. And, and that's the big question for me season long is, is will he be able to play a full full season? I mean, he had 12, three games last year. 12 games for Tampa in 2018, then 14 and 15 before that, and then before that in 2015 with Washington, you know, nine games. So, you know, it, if, he can get you, if he can get 14 games out of him, then you're, he's going to be a nice value where he's going, which is the eighth, ninth round. All right, let's talk about Debo Samuel. He's ranked now as high as wide receiver four since it looks like he's going to return to practice soon. He, 
he had a really nice season for the 49ers last year. Not not necessarily a dynamic player, but somebody that gets open a lot and then he's he's hell after the catch too. I mean the way he's the way he's able to break tackles and then he does flash a little little bit of breakaway speed. I, I like Debo Samuel a lot. Did, where, where do you have him now in your rankings? Yeah, he's he's basically one of these rookies that the 50 catch seven 700 yard as a rookie uh, usually indicates a hit uh, in terms of yeah you, you made a good pick he's a productive player and you know they grew, their numbers tend to grow uh, 15 to 20 percent you know across their categories in their second seasons on average so you know heading into the season you're, you're looking at Samuel as a like a wide receiver three you know, maybe should be ranked in that 30 to 35 range. I've gotten a little bit below that because I think the, the foot will be an issue this year. He might have some soreness or he might have some lack of production due to it. But he is making, you know, making his return. He was seen uh, sprinting full speed on the sideline uh, a few days ago. Uh, it looks like he's making his return. He has a chance to, to play in week one. Uh, and if that's the case, then, you know, he needs to be drafted, uh, you know, eighth, ninth round. Uh, in that range, and you know, even if he misses week one, he's he's looking like he's going to be able to help fantasy owners early in the season. High, highly productive player is not a high volume offense. I mean, he's the number two probably behind uh, George Kittle, uh, and you know, Brandon Ayuk was trending the right way, but he's got an injury now, and uh, it looks like he's going to play week one, but we're not completely sure. So he's he's set back a little bit, and that might open up some more opportunities for Samuel if he does play week one to, uh, you know, in September there. Traquan Smith has moved up while Emmanuel Sanders has moved down a bit. What are your thoughts there? I'm a big fan of Emmanuel Sanders. I think he's a good fit for this offense, uh, but I'm not going to ignore Sean Payton and Drew Brees giving props to Smith on his camp and how he's, you know, intimating that he's going to have a, uh, uh, you know, breakout year, have a big role in the offense. So, uh, I'm less bullish on Sanders for that reason. And, uh, you know, Smith will be out there in three wide receiver sets with Sanders and Michael Thomas and Jared Cook. So it's a nice set of weapons. There's a lot of mouths to feed. Um, so Smith is more of a um, late round flyer for me. Uh, Sanders, I'm still taking uh, earlier. Uh, I think he's going to be your 70, 80 catch guy if, if they throw the ball a little bit more. Uh, you know, they might go super run heavy and. Maybe he's more of a 60-70 catch guy, but he's got a lot of upside if anything were to happen to Ma- uh, Michael Thomas, too. That's I'm talking about Sanders now. But um, Smith, I think, more best ball type player. Uh, maybe frustrating on a week-to-week basis, but you know, if something happens further up the depth chart with to Thomas or to Sanders, who are, uh, you know, Thomas is in his prime, but Sanders is a little bit older, uh, then Smith could step into a, a bigger role in that offense. TJ Hawkinson has been bouncing around the rankings. What's going on with him? Well, he's got this foot issue that supposedly wasn't uh, completely healed and he's still dealing with it and wasn't feeling 100% right. But then on the flip side, he's, you know, multiple reports of beat writers saying that he's just dominating practice and he's, you know, really good prospect at tight end. He had a pretty good rookie season, um, you know, scored a lot of fantasy points in week one against the Cardinals. And then, you know, it was up and down the rest of the time with, uh, with Matthew Stafford. Then Stafford got hurt and, um, you know, never really found his footing. Uh, but in year two, you know, I know a lot of dynasty people are really high on him. And so I moved him up from like 20, you know, after hearing about the foot to more like 16. Um, it seems like the foot is not a big issue and, uh, he's, you know, primed for a breakout season if he can stay healthy. 
Per the Athletics' Matt Schneidman, Robert Tanyan is expected to be the Packers' top pass-catching tight end and not Jay Sternberger. What should we know about Tanyan, Mr. Green Bay Packer fan? Yeah, uh, I'm calling him, and I've, I, I feel like I'm the first one to call him this, but it's Baby Kittle. Hashtag Baby Kittle. Let's get it going <laughs> on Twitter. I did see a, I, I did check the Baby Kittle um, feed or I searched for it, and they, somebody called Dan Arnold. Uh, baby Kittle, but I'm calling uh, Robert Tanya Baby Kittle because he's friends with uh, George Kittle, and he the last two off seasons he's trained with him and basically hung out with him all summer. So Tanya is a former uh, converted wide receiver, I think Indiana State. Um, I watched a highlight film from him from him in college, and he they, he made like I don't know four or five one handed catches. You know he's a big you know he's a big dude, so he was like a big frame wide receiver, and now he's packed on pounds to become a tight end. And you know as a rookie, he caught a big uh, bomb against the Seahawks. You might remember, remember that, uh, like a fifty yard, fifty four yard touchdown as a rookie. Uh, didn't play a lot of snaps, but he played more than Sternberger last year. I mean Sternberger had one target last year as a rookie and dropped it. Uh, Tanyan played more uh snaps i mean jimmy graham was eating up all the snaps there so long story short he's basically uh i mean sternberger was on the covid list for a while so tanya has been practicing he's he's trending up they they asked um matt lafleur if tanya had a chance to start a couple weeks ago and he said absolutely and um you know since then the the drumbeat has only gotten louder and it doesn't you know he's not necessarily going to come in and win your fantasy league for you but if you're in a deep league or best ball and you need a third tight end or if you want you know maybe you draft uh, draft Travis Kelsey or another stud tight end early in the in the draft and you just want an upside guy at the end of your bench that maybe can uh do something for you then Tanyan is uh, not a bad pick there in the 16th 17th 18th round he's going extremely late in drafts and he's he's got that receiver type upside because he, he is a uh, converted receiver let's discuss the first round now we don't talk a lot about the first round on this podcast because it's usually a list of high value guys who should have great years people already know about them and they can look at your rankings if they want to know exactly what you think of th- those players but there has been some drama with some of these players in the first round, and you definitely have a couple of contrarian rankings, so I'd like to go over some of those with you, John. Top three and four for four is multi-site ADP, which is at www.444.com slash ADP. I don't know why I gave you the www. You already know it's the World Wide Web. It stands for World yeah, Wide Web. Yeah, well, you know, who knows, John? And maybe maybe you got somebody listening that doesn't doesn't know what the internet is. I, I'm sure there, there might be one person out there, which is... You know, I you know I, I bet there's millennials that don't know what WWE yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So I, bet, I bet that's actually well, true, true. John, so. I'm just trying to educate people. That's all. So Yeah, sure. All right. So the top three and four for four is multi-site ADP, which is mostly PP. You've got Christian McCaffrey, you've got Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. Any issues there? Uh, no, I I tend to draft uh, Zeke over Barkley. I'd rather have the stud running back in a good offense than the stud, stud running back in an offense that might struggle, even though he's going to be a big part of that. Uh, obviously a huge part of that running game and a uh, big part of the passing game as well. But I, I think I'd rather have Zeke uh, just for touchdown upside. Um but, I, you know, if you want to take Barkley over Elliott, I don't have a problem with that. All right, let's move on to the next three then. Alvin Kamara, who we've discussed, Michael Thomas, Saints wide receiver, Dalvin Cook, Minnesota running back. Where do you stand on these three? Yeah, this is a little bit um, has to do with your your league format. Full PPR, I've got 
uh, Kamara, I think at five, no six. Um, so I've got him behind Derek Henry now and Clyde edwards helaire So, and that has to do with the back, uh, the back injury, and just the fact that I'm a little bit worried about his his health, and not so much with the contract. I think they're going to figure that out. But I think he's a fine middle round pick. I just get a little worried with the with with the injury and and you know if that pops up later he didn't have a healthy year last year and he showed so you know I wonder a little bit if his body's breaking down and he might miss a few games this year so uh, they they have enough talent at the running back position with Latavius Murray and Ty Montgomery and and others to to get by for a week or two if he needs to be shut down um, to get healthy and that worries me a little bit because they have so much depth at, at running back so um, I I guess I'd be kind of shying away from Kamara at this point, Michael Thomas is great. He's a fantastic player, number one receiver for me. Uh, I don't have many shares this year compared to last year because of the relative depth at receiver, and I'm basically fading receivers in the first couple of rounds if, as long as there wasn't some screaming value that falls uh, to the to end of the first round. Like if Thomas is there at the turn, and of course I'll think about him and maybe draft him, um, but I don't have many shares for that reason as I'm trying to go running back, running back at the start of the draft. And then Dalvin Cook... <laughs> he's doing this kind of soft. It's not a holdout anymore. I mean, he's practicing, but uh, you know, Adam Schefter said that he, if, if the contract situation with cook wasn't resolved uh, by week one, it would quote, give him pause about drafting uh, cook uh, in his fantasy draft, which doesn't really help you if you're drafting before week one, which most of us are, but you know, so I'm, I'm just basically shying away from him a little bit. He's a fantastic player. I think when I first ran my, uh, projections. He came in at three, uh, just based on workload share and, and all that from last year and what I projected for, for the Vikings offense this year. So, you know, he's got extreme upside. Um, no problem if you want to take him at the end of the first round. I'm not going to talk you out of it. For, but for me, uh, the contract situation is an issue. And also he has that kind of bulky shoulder that you know, reading up on the separated shoulders is a pretty high chance that he's going to re-injure that shoulder, and you know that might not come out a game or two. So that that's a similar situation with Kamara, uh, where I've got him project, projected for you know thirteen or fourteen games instead of six or fifteen. So that's why he's where he's where he is in the rankings. All right, we're talking about the first round, so let's talk about picks seven through nine in the first round. You've got Derrick Henry, Devontae Adams, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the rookie in Kansas City. What do you think about Henry's value and then maybe some risk-reward when it comes to the rookie, Edwards-Alaire? Yeah, yeah, people might raise their eyebrows at the, you know, Devontae Adams going uh, 108 in this ADP. This is a multi-site ADP that pulls sources, you know, sources in from various sites. Um, we're also going to talk about the underdog fantasy top 12, which looks a little bit more than like what I'm seeing in drafts. Um, but, you know, Devontae Adams is fine. He's a number two fantasy receiver. He's highly productive. Uh, again, it's just I'm not drafting a lot of receivers in the first round this year. Henry is a player that is moving up my board. I have him at uh, four in PPR, which is pretty high for him in PPR, and I've got him at two, actually, in half PPR ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. I think those two are neck and neck right now. Uh, you know, he's a guy that really shines in standard because he doesn't catch many passes, but that might change this year. I think he had 22, 24 catches last year, and it doesn't take him much of an improvement as a receiver to get him into that upper echelon at running back. Uh, I mean, I've got him projected now for 31 catches. 
And the reason I have him, you know, increasing his catch rate is Deion Lewis is gone. They brought in Darrington Evans to, to replace him. Evans has been missing practice like for the last four or five days to a week. So I don't think to start the season, they're going to feel comfortable throwing Evans out there on the flip side with Henry, multiple reports of him really working on his passing or his role in the passing game, working on his receiving in practice. Uh, not only the beat writers talking about it, but Ryan Tannehill mentioned it, how he's getting more fluid and more natural in, in, in his catches. And uh, Al Smizzle said on Twitter that he's a proponent which is just, I totally agree with this. Just throw Henry one screen a quarter and see what happens. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, you get him the ball uh, in, with some space, maybe a couple blockers ahead of him and ahead of steam, and he has shown what he can do as a receiver. You know, he's not a guy that's going to catch 70, 60, 70 passes, but if you just get him to 30, if you get him to 35, then the whole PPR downgrade for him doesn't even matter. Um, you know, he's going to regress in his touchdowns, but I've got him for 12, which is a big regression. And he's still where he is. He's just a train, you know, he's a train load. He's got a, he's a, he's a huge dude and he's really good. So, um, with these other guys hurting and contract issues and being iffy, I think Henry's like a really safe pick in the middle round. All right. The middle of the middle of the first right. round. Okay. Speaking of the first round, let's get through 10, 11, 12 now when it comes to those picks and who's going where. You got Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes, Nick Chubb. So you got a wide receiver, you got a running back. Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback. What do you think about Mahomes going right at the end of the first round? Yeah, and this I don't see this I don't see Mahomes in the first round in my drafts. Uh, and I'm usually doing right now FFPC best balls. I do a lot of industry drafts. I did my home draft, which is a wild, which with you, you're actually in that league. Right. Uh, it's kind of a wacky wild draft. So I, I'm not seeing Mahomes go in the first round or Lamar Jackson go in the first round unless it's a super flex league. So I'll just focus on, you know, Tyree Kill. He's usually going in the early second round. Nick Chubb, I think, is a. You know he's a he's a player kind of like Henry where you downgrade him in PPR because he just doesn't have that passing game role when Kareem Hunt is healthy and, and active his his target I mean, he's not it's not that he's not capable of it it's just that Hunt was better at that at last year and that's the role that the the, the team gave him uh, Hunt uh, last year and that basically pushed uh, Chubb's PPR numbers down for that reason so Chubb's going for me you know back end of uh, the second round, mid, mid to back end of the second round. I think he's a good pick there. I think he's going to get your 18, 17, 18 carries. But in a full PPR f- format, I wouldn't take him. Or even half PPR, I probably wouldn't take him in the end of the first round just because he's sharing time with a really talented back in Kareem Hunt. Uh, so that's where I was, that's sort of where I'm at with that those bottom three. All right, let's wrap up the podcast talking about the underdog fantasy top 12. You've got Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Derrick Henry, Michael Thomas, Sanders, Mixon, Josh Jacobs, and then Kenyon Drake. Any comments on these guys? Yeah, I want to mention uh, Edwards-Alaire because uh, I'm sure some owners are maybe panicking a little bit that you know there was a report that he's going to split time with Daryl uh, Daryl Williams or is it Darrell Williams at the you know start of the season. And that may continue um, for a while. And that could continue the entire season if they're happy with Williams' production as the backup. But uh, Edward Solari doesn't need 20, 25 touches a game to be an RB1 uh, in that offense. I mean, he can do it with 15, 16 
touches per game. And I think there's plenty of work for both of them to, to, to go around. So, um, so don't worry about that. Um, I think if you want that surefire workload, then you draft Derrick Henry ahead of CEH. And I would, you know, I bump Kamara and Cook down a few spots as well, uh, just due to the risk involved with those guys. Miles Sanders, um, I've been a little bit low on him uh, in my rankings, and I think it started more with uh, the history of Doug Peterson and the committee that he likes to run. And even with Sanders taking over and getting a lot of touches to close the year last year, Boston Scott was very involved uh, in that offense. He was seeing a 9-17 to touch uh, role uh, just alongside a healthy Sanders. I mean, he had a big game when Sanders got injured, knocked out. But even if you don't count that, it was like nine to 17 touches a game. So, you know, Sanders is not the bell cow uh, in Philly. I think it's more of a lead back, you know, backup type of a role. I don't think it's a committee committee, but I think Sanders is a solid pick in the early second round, but he's always gone by the time I'm willing to take him. And I've got other guys that I would take over him like Eckler or Aaron Jones. So um, he's fine. I, I'm not as on board as some other people are with him. I think Mixon with, uh, you know, his, he's a 20 plus touch guy, like no problem. Like they're going to feed him the ball, especially after he signed his deal. So his deal is done. That should upgrade him to me um, over to put him over Kamara and cook, even though that, that they're probably better players. Mixon is satisfied with his contract. He's locked up. He's locked in. He's fully healthy. As far as we know, uh, he had those, <laughs> he had those mysterious mind grades that were keeping him out of practice. But I think, those were more headaches over his contract, I think, <laughs> probably the, as opposed to actual migraines. Um, so I feel good about him at the back end of the first round. Josh Jacobs is, you know, doesn't have the catch upside that we thought maybe. He, he said his goal was to catch 60 passes. Mike Mayock said all the right things about, you know, getting him more involved as, as a receiver. And then they um, go out and sign Theo Riddick and, they still have uh, Jalen Richard on the, on the office, and they have Lynn Bowden as well. So I don't know that his his um, catches are going to jump as much as we want from the, I think it was like 20 that he had last year. So I've got him at 28. You know, if he gets into the 35, 40 range, then now he's going to start climbing into where he's, you know, finishing RB1 every week or pretty much every week. And then Kenyon Drake, I think people are, I mean, I, I, I like it as a guy who's getting running backs in the second round, and he's falling to me at the mid mid late second round because his foot, you know, he was in a walking boot, but you know, he came out and said he was fine. The coach said he was fine and he's out of the boot now. And the coach says he's really close to returning. So yeah, maybe you're a little worried that he's dinged up prior to season already. He hasn't, doesn't have the resume of being a, a feature back for an entire season, but he was so good at the end of the last year with the Cardinals. And that is an offense that is just asking for a, a guy, his talent to come in and, you know, if he plays 15, 16 games, he could finish top three uh, with the way he was producing uh, last year. So I, I still love Drake. And if you're getting him in the mid-second round, late-second round, I know he doesn't have his, you know some disbelievers out there, and you can get him later uh, in, in that second round. That's just fantastic uh, value, I think, for Drake. Don't forget, if you still haven't signed up for 4 for 4, you can get a free 4 for 4 subscription if you sign up for Monkey Knife Fight, which is a new daily fantasy site. You just need to be a new Monkey Knife Fight user and then deposit $10 into your account after sign up. The offer is good for a free 4 for 4 Classic Pro or DFS subscription, so it's up to a $99 value. It's an absolute no-brainer assuming you live in one of the 35 approved states or Canada. Details are again at bit.ly 
slash 444MKF. You can follow John Paulson on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me, Anthony Stalter, at Anthony Stalter. And we will return next week. And it's amazing. It's already week one. And it's already time to talk about the NFL season. It's uh, as slow as the days have gone by at times. It's also been kind of a fast year. It's, it's weird. But for John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on 444's. 44.com is the most accurate podcast. i